Good morning, this is Brother Larry Cockerham coming to you from East Fork Baptist Church. Good to have you with us this morning, and we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning with verse 12. Peter tells us, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, though some strange thing happen unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ, sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yes, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it at first Begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well doing as unto a faithful creator so that's what peter tells us about adversity now adversity can be our greatest motivation for spiritual growth or our deadliest means of discouragement the difference depends on our understanding of god's purposes through adversity Uh, here the first part of last year I began to have a fever, and I went to church the next morning, and I felt fairly well, fairly good, and I began to uh, have chills, began to shaking, and I went to the hospital, and they gave me some uh, medicine and sent me home, and the next morning, they called and said, you need to get up here, and we found a uh, a bacteria uh, in your blood. So I went to the hospital, and the first thing that one of the ER doctors said was, uh, you know this can kill you. And so I took that <laughs> uh, into advice. There wasn't really much I could do about it, so they put me in the hospital and found out I had a, I believe it was a bacteria, a saracens. Uh, can't remember the Marson's Saracens or something like that. But anyway, uh, I got out of the hospital in three days, went home, uh, about two weeks later, got it again. It came back. This time I went in the hospital and my kidneys shut down. Well, after my kidneys shut down, about the third day, I thought I was getting ready to get out and a couple of nurses came to the door. Uh, one male nurse, really tall, 
and a female nurse, and she had a machine that she was bringing in the room with her. And the taller nurse, he had uh, garb on. I guess you call that the PPE, protective uh, uh, equipment. And uh, he had a mask and everything. And he put a mask on me and put a, uh, a protective sheet on me from my neck down uh, to my feet. And I thought, what in the world is going on? And so the girl went on the other side, I believe, of the bed with the machine or at the foot. I can't remember. And so he put a line in my arm right above my elbow on the inside of my upper arm. And they put this line in so that when they sent me home, uh, we could introduce uh, some antibiotic, of course, from Jackson, they had to bring it over every week. We only did this about two weeks. They had these little small balls of uh, antibiotic that they would hook up to this line. It would feed the uh, antibiotic into my arm. Well, that went on about two weeks. Well, after about two weeks, I think this was the second time I went in. I can't remember. Well, it came back and uh, they sent me home this time and I it went on for six more weeks with this little antibiotic that they were placing in my arm. I think after uh, I totaled it all up, it was right at $40,000 worth of antibiotic in that one arm, not counting what was in the hospital. And I believe that during this pandemic, uh, God has gotten everybody's attention, the whole world. All our plans and goals and all these things are, have, been, have been put on hold. The theaters are shut down, the restaurants are shut down, the stadiums are shut down, even our churches have had to uh, begin uh, broadcasting online and through uh, live streaming and other means. So God has gotten our attention, and adversity many times is God's way of getting our attention, that maybe we need to reevaluate or examine ourselves. And secondly, adversity is the assurance uh, that God loves us. It tells us that over there in Hebrews. But God does chasten us because he loves us. Now, we can react to chastening in many different ways. We can treat it lightly and just say, well, everybody's having trouble. Uh, so we don't necessarily recognize that God is behind this, or, or we can be like a little crybaby and whine and say, why is this happening to me? I know I've said that a few times myself. <clears throat> and then there's some that just tend to be the super-duper attitude of the saint and endure it, but never really learn from it. So we've got to learn to exercise ourselves when we find that we're having adversity. You know, there are storms of obedience and storms of disobedience. And then thirdly, adversity is God's call for self-examination. If you look in the Word of God, Paul mentions that two different times in the Corinthian uh, epistles. Here in, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I believe this was in association with the Lord's Supper. He says uh, in verse 28, let a man examine himself. And he goes on to say, for if we would judge ourselves, 
we should not be judged. So the first thing we need to do is to uh, examine uh, our service for the Lord. And then secondly, we are to examine our faith. He says, let a man examine himself, whether he be in the faith. And I believe a lot of us need to do that. We need to examine ourselves to make sure that we've been truly converted. I'm afraid a lot of church folks uh, just think they're saved. In other words, they, they have uh, based their salvation on uh, maybe something deceptive. You know, we can't be saved by our works. We can't be saved by proxy. You know, we've got to make that decision for ourselves. So God calls us for, ex- for self-examination. And many times adversity will create that opportunity. And then adversity is God's way of conquering our pride. Now, you don't have to be a celebrity or be rich to have pride. I've seen a lot of folks that are very prideful that uh, don't fall into that category. I like what Warren Wiersbe says here in his commentary of 2 Corinthians. He said, there's something worse than sickness, and that is sin. And the worst sin of all is pride. It is a paradox, and I like this, and an evidence of the sovereignty of God that God used Satan, the proudest of all beings, to help keep Paul humble. And if you remember, Paul was buffeted uh, continuously in his ministry, just like, just like Job was buffeted. And many times we asked that question. And Paul prayed, I believe, three times that uh, God might remove that thorn in his flesh. But nevertheless, Paul uh, was transformed in his ministry. Wiersbe goes on to say concerning uh, God's giving us adversity many times as a reminder of our weakness. He says, in the Christian life, we get many of our blessings through transformation, not substitution. When Paul prayed three times for the removal of his pain, he was asking God for a substitution. In other words, give me health instead of sickness, deliverance instead of pain and weakness. Sometimes God does does meet the need by substitution, but other times he meets the need by transformation. He does not remove the affliction, but he gives us his grace so that the affliction works for us and not against us. So adversity is our reminder of our weakness. Then also, adversity is an evidence of spiritual warfare. A lot of times we are tempted to just give up. I read some headline here about a week ago that a lot of preachers have just kind of walked off the job. Of course, it's not a job. It's a ministry. It's a call. But listen, we're going to have opposition from the world, the flesh, and the devil and we've got to know who the real enemy is. The real enemy in 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us that Satan is their enemy. And we have to realize that there is a spiritual warfare going on. I'm afraid that 
As I've said many times in sermons that we've had a paradigm shift in the last 100, 150 years. Uh, society used to attribute everything to God. If there were there was a hurricane uh, or a tornado or whatever, it was an act of God. But now we tend to attribute everything to science. In other words, if we have a hurricane it's a, or a tornado, it's a EF2 or EF3, or it's attributed to some current wind patterns. But listen, everything that happens, God is in control of it. Now, he may permit it, but God's in control of it. And so, therefore, there's a spiritual warfare going on. And many Christians do not see that. They do not realize that the real enemy is Satan himself. And then adversity is God's method of purifying our faith. Adversity exposes the futility of putting our faith in anyone or anything other than the Lord. If you'll notice during this pandemic, it's all about science. Science is going to cure us. Science will be our miracle intervention. But nevertheless, we don't realize that this is a time of reflection. This is a time we ought to be uh, calling on the Lord for his mercy in the midst of this. Because faith needs to be tested many times in the fires of adversity. This is what Peter was telling his people, that the fires of adversity were coming, and they did come in the form of the Roman emperors there with Nero and many others. So adversity can be our greatest motivation for spiritual growth or our deadliest means of discouragement. It just depends on our understanding of God's purposes through adversity. So this morning, suffering should call us or bring us back to prayer. And prayer should lead us to the Word of God. And as we find these things in our life, just remember God has a purpose for it. The Bible says all things work together for good. Many verses in the Bible teach us these things. Here in uh, Romans 8, 28, it says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Paul says in Ephesians 1.11, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 9.8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. He tells us in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So this morning, we're all going through this together. But listen, the first thing we have to realize is God's trying to get our attention But God loves us. He wants us to reflect on these things and uh, have self-examination. But we have to realize he wants to transform us. 
Many times we want the substitute. We want the good times. We want the health, not the sickness. But God can use these things to transform us little by little into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this morning, thank you for tuning in, and we're going to close on that. And uh, don't forget this morning that uh, if you have a prayer request, make sure you text that to us at 601-935-0886. Thank you for tuning in, and we just pray for each one. We want you to stay safe during this time. And most of all, just keep looking up.